Hi, you're listening to the Feminine Business School podcast, and I'm your host, Ainsley Young. My work is all about creating a wildly pleasurable and successful business without burning out your body and selling out your soul. I'm also really passionate about ditching the cookie cutter marketing strategies and finding what feels good to you when it comes to marketing. Join me as we talk all things online business, feminist marketing strategies, feminine embodiment, conscious leadership, and pleasurable productivity. Hit subscribe now and let's get started. And to learn the secret to fitting more pleasure into each day while ticking off your to-dos, download my free pleasure and productivity weekly planner. Head to startingwitha.com slash opt-in. Welcome to another episode of the Feminine Business School podcast. I am your host, Ainsley Young, and I am very excited because I have another exquisite guest to share with you today. And this guest is Jen Murphy. Jen is a certified feminine embodiment coach and holds a degree in medieval Irish and Celtic studies and an MA in anthropology and development with a specialism in critical pedagogy empowering women to critique the power structures at play in our own learning experiences. Jen comes from a lineage of storytellers and wisdom keepers on her maternal line. She's fascinated by the natural coalescence between our ancestral myths and our bodies as a potent brew to reclaim our sovereign power. And so her philosophy is let your body and mythology guide you home, home to you. What an incredible bio and incredible body of work Jen has. So I am thrilled to have you on the Feminine Business School podcast, Jen. Welcome. Oh, and thank you, Ainsley. I'm just so honoured to be here. I am so, so excited. We've been going back and forth on messages for the last few weeks, and I know this is going to be a really juicy episode. So in your bio, we got a flavour of... I guess, the breadth of your work. But I'd really love to know, how did you come to combine the Celtic mythology and the feminine embodiment work? What led you to that? I suppose just to begin with, as you mentioned already, Ainsley, on my mother's line in particular, there is a lineage of storytellers. So I grew up on the stories of my grandmother, Frances O'Sullivan, and she really abused in me this passion around Irish folklore and myth. So much so that I ended up doing this degree in medieval Irish and Celtic studies. And at that time, I was really fortunate to have an incredible lecturer called Murni Vrolcoin, who introduced me to women in early Irish literature. And this is almost 20 years ago now when this kind of fascination between women in our mythology began. But I went on then to become an anthropologist and I worked in global justice and human rights for 14 years. And during that time, I had the opportunity to travel. So I spent time with remote and indigenous communities and learning about myth cross-culturally. But I suppose a few years ago, when my embodiment journey started, the more I came home to my own body, the more I desired to reroute in my own ancestral myths. And it's like the myths were inviting me into a new relationship with them. So before I had studied them from quite an academic perspective, but now on this embodiment journey, it was like they were becoming alive in my body. And it's really intriguing to me because in Celtic mythology, 
in ancient Ireland in particular, there was goddess worship and particularly of the sovereignty goddess. So the sovereignty goddess represents the feminine and nature. And ancient Ireland was made up of loads of little mini tuas, mini tribes as such. Tua is the Irish word for a tribe. And in order for a tribe to thrive, there needed to be the symbolic marriage of the sovereignty goddess, so of the feminine and nature, with the actual leader or the king of the Tua, the tribe. So this perfect marriage ensured that everybody could thrive within the community. And when I reflect on this in my own body, it was like my king had gone mad, like just mm-hmm. become totally hyperproductive, hypermasculine, was just running the whole show. And so as I came home to my body, it's like the sovereignty goddess was like, hang on a minute. And the feminine started to kind of really come up really powerful and cause a recalibration in my own body. So there's that more of that synergy between the healthy feminine and the healthy masculine. And this all just led me then to founding the Celtic School of Embodiment. It was totally intuitive and embodiment journey. I nearly can't describe the path because it was just followed, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that you've taken your academic background and the knowledge and you're embodying it. Like you said, you're bringing the sovereignty goddess in with the king. And it makes sense, Jen, when you say that it was intuitive, like it wasn't strategic creating this school, because as I've said to you before, the depth of your work and how it is all pieced together It just feels so right. It feels like it was this puzzle that you continue to bring it all together and it feels so perfect and right and whole. So I definitely get the sense that it was intuitive and you're the best person ever to be a custodian of this work. And your answer to that first question leads in beautifully to my second question, which is around, well, how can connecting to our mythical ancestors support us in our businesses? I suppose I should preface this by saying that connecting to our mythical ancestors can just support us in our lives in general, because what it does is it provides a profound sense of rootedness. So with the women I work with, the feedback that I get, the most common testimonial is that I feel like I've come home, that sense of home in the body. And I know, like for me, I grew up on the land of my human and mythical ancestors, the goddesses and gods of Ireland. And that isn't possible for everybody to know where their mythical lineage is. But even orientating to a part of the world that you feel drawn to, that you know that your ancestors are from and connecting with those traditions, because what it does is it just helps you when you explore other mythical traditions, like come from an embodied place as opposed to like being extractive, you know, because our bodies can sense that loss of our mythology. So, you know, by rerouting in our own mythology, it means that when we engage with others, It's coming from that rooted place and that kind of desire for cross-cultural connection. And I suppose for me, anything that gives us grounding is really helpful for our businesses. And I also see that I am not the Celtic School of Embodiment. And the Celtic School of Embodiment is not me. It has a separate energy, its own path of becoming that is separate to me. And as though I have given it a mythical ancestor to take care of it, who I call Findivir. 
And I've also worked with women to help them meet the spirit of their businesses and call in a bandia, which is the Irish word for goddess, as patroness of their business. So they're not holding everything in their bodies. If I was to hold the Celtic school of embodiment in my body, it would just crush me. It's a separate energy to me. And so very practically then, each morning, like you, I'm on the mat, doing the non-linear movement. And what I do when I do this is I invite in Vindivere into my body, that energy of my business, and to connect with my intuition and to source guidance for the day ahead. So for me, really, that separation of the body from the energy of the business and using a mythical ancestor to support that has been incredibly powerful. Mm, Oh, there's so much there we can dive into and wholeheartedly agree in terms of seeing, perceiving, knowing that you are not your business. It is a completely separate entity. And I love, like you said, having the patroness of your business to be able to hold it so you don't physically feel like you're holding it all. And from my own experience, I deeply resonate with what you shared about in terms of your other clients and their testimonials about feeling that sense of rootedness once they have worked with you and been able to explore the Celtic mythology. Because what really drew me to your work in terms of my pain point was that I live literally in the middle of the world on the equator. I'm from Australia, but I do have Celtic lineage. And I've been in Asia for eight years not feeling connected at all. And I've never really resonated with other cultures or deities. Like I love learning about it, but I felt like I couldn't embody it. So when I came across your work, I was like, oh my gosh, while I live in the Northern Hemisphere and I'm kind of in this no man's land of Singapore where it's like hot all year round, I'm really going to dive into Jen's work and go on this voyage with her for 12 months. And it's been incredible. I have never really felt this connected to the seasons and I guess my lineage, even though I've never really dived into it, which is incredible because here in Singapore, there are no seasons. It's hot all year round. Really nothing changes. So it's been such a huge, huge transformation in that. And then seeing how it weaves into my business. And particularly your cycle, your cyclic blueprint, which I've forgotten the name, you might be able to remind me of it, but how it kind of maps the lunar cycle and our menstrual cycle, but with the different special seasons within Celtic mythology Mm. and the counter, it is next level. What's the name of your cycle? I just call it the Celtic calendar. Yeah, or call it the Celtic woman's cycle. Yeah, but that has been really powerful. So I'd also love if you could share with us a particular story or a myth that is relevant to us as contemporary business women. What can you share with us there? I suppose as a businesswoman, a story that really resonates with me, Ainsley, is the story of the Selkie. The Selkie is the shape-shifting seal woman. So it's a seal that can shape-shift into a woman. That's really indigenous to these lands, like particularly the likes of Ireland, Scotland, up further north, like the Faroe Islands. And it's also called Unvijin Vara in Gaelga, which means the sea maiden in the Irish language. The story usually goes that the Selkie and her sisters are on the beach and they're in human form. 
They're dancing under the moonlight. And a man stumbles across the Selkies and he just becomes totally enraptured by them. And he spots a seal skin on the rocks. So he snatches the seal skin. And all of the sisters return to the sea, bar one of the Selkies who cannot find her seal skin. She can't transform back into a seal. So the man implores her to come with him. And she really has no choice because he has her seal skin. And so she goes with the man. And for a time, she's happy in this man's world. They birth a child or children together. But slowly over the years, her life force begins to drip and literally drip by drip by drip. It's leaking and she's dying in this man's world. And usually in the story, it's a child that rediscovers the mother's sealskin sewn into the thatch of the cottage and returns the sealskin to the mother, to the Selkie. And the Selkie then has to leave the child for a time to return to the sea to really embody and come back to who she is, the essence of who she is, because she literally cannot live on this man's world. So it's really poignant and it's so beautiful because the child recognises inherently the needs of the mother. And for me, the way I like to explore this story is that our seal skin is the feminine expression that has become vilified or undervalued by our society because essentially... Like I wouldn't say now that we're living in a man's world because it's beyond gender. It's not serving anyone who identifies as a man either. But we're living in this hyper-masculine world, hyper-productive world, where we value masculine expressions over feminine. So mind over body, or linear over cyclic, logic over intuition. And like I alluded to earlier when I was speaking about my king, I really embodied these masculine expressions over the feminine. I lost my seal skin for a long time. I did the whole lean in thing and I burnt out over and over and over again. And I often think of Mary Beard and her book, Women and Power, a Manifesto. And she says that if women are not perceived to be within the structures of power, it is power for the system that has to change not women. We don't need to redefine women. We need to change the power. We don't need to lean in. We actually need to infuse the system or change it with something else. So I feel like the Selkie has a really powerful message for us because imagine us all embodying our seal skins, our feminine expression and doing business from this place. And last year I did Feminist Business School with Jennifer Armhurst, which was really powerful and what she talks about is using our businesses as a prototype of the world we want to create. So in our seal skins, what type of world do we want to create and to model our businesses on this? Mm, I love that myth. And I think there are so many women who could identify losing their seal skin at some point in time, or maybe it still feels a little bit lost because, as you said, we are living in this hyper-productive, somewhat toxic masculine, toxic capitalistic society. And I also love the reverence of the child finding it because I don't know about you, Jen, but for me, motherhood was the biggest wake up of being super masculine in my whole life, not just my business, was not sustainable and things had to change in order to keep going and to actually enjoy it and for it to be prosperous. A more feminine way of doing business was the way forward. 
I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, as the mother to two small sons. And that's why I think this work is so critical, Ainsley, for our children to embody the type of world that we want them to grow up in and to have the opportunity to grow up in as well, regardless of whatever gender they identify as. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And another part of your business that I'm curious about is the idea of the witch wound that you've mentioned to me before and saying about the relation between women and wealth and how this has kind of come about through the land of Ireland. So if you could share a little bit more, that would be wonderful. This is kind of a recent enough exploration for me, and it's come from my own embodiment work around exploring the witch archetype from my own personal embodiment experience. And I'm also really inspired by the likes of Sylvia Frederici's work here around Caliban and the witch. She speaks to how the witch hunts that took place in medieval Europe and the Americas were actually, and the vilification of women, hundreds and thousands of women were tortured or died during these witch hunts, and that that was necessary for capitalism to come into force and to thrive. And it did this in two ways. Early capitalism, if you move it later to a production line, you need loads of bodies working really cheaply. And to get a bit dystopian about it, where are you going to get these bodies? So who controls the human life force? And it's women, right? So women give birth to babies, obviously, who can become future workers. And in this way, a lot of the healing women that were responsible locally for women's reproductive health, so through midwifery, for contraception, abortion, they were a target of the witch hunts and were vilified along with women themselves. And so that's kind of one aspect of this. And then another is, in simple terms, in capitalism, you have two forms of labor. You've got the labor for the marketplace, so the production line as such. And then you've got reproductive labor, which is the labor of the home. So the caregiving, the putting food on the table and all of that kind of stuff. And what happened with all of this vilification of women's bodies is that men became coded as being in the marketplace. That was the man's place. And then women get caught in the domestic sphere, in this reproductive labor. And this idea of men's work and women's work didn't exist in the same way before capitalism gets really reinforced here. And in this way, men's work is public, men earn money, women's work is private, unseen, and women work for free. And Frederici talks as well about some women were actually forbidden in communities to earn a wage, and women who had wealth were accused of being in cahoots with the devil. And you actually see this in Ireland's first witch trial, The first witch trial in Ireland took place in 1324, and it concerned a woman called Alice Keitler, who came from a Flemish merchant family who arrived in Ireland. And Alice was incredibly wealthy. She was a money lender. And so she became the target of the local church, of the Bishop of Ossery, because she wouldn't subjugate to the church. And she's also this incredible wealthy woman. So she was accused of all manner of things like robbing the keys of the church and holding demonic meetings at nighttime and also of having an incubus. So having an affair with a demon and that this demon was the source of her wealth. So again, like Frederici is talking about, that her wealth is demonic, like absolute evil. And so she actually escaped Ireland from prison. But her maidservant, Petronilla Denise, was flogged and burnt to death at the stake in 1324. 
for me then the witch wound actually becomes an economic wound it's about economic power and it makes me think about well how do we hold economic power in our bodies because power within is the most important kind of power we can have if we don't have power within our own bodies we can't even have power with others in community and I feel as women, we've become disembodied from our economic power through this witch wound. Even Ainsley, if you think you couldn't have a credit card without your husband's permission until the 1970s or your nearest male relative if you weren't married. That's so recent. That's like my mother's generation. So there's just so much work to be done here. Yeah, so much work. So much work in how that it just goes back so, so far. And also it brings up a challenge that some of my clients have, particularly so many of us are heart-led, impact-driven and have some type of healing background and they struggle to charge for it. Because like, you know, I'm doing this work that's helping people. And I guess that's like the feminine at home, nurturing, unpaid work. Like it's just not valued. But that is fascinating. I did not know any of that. So thank you so much for sharing. I guess changing gears a little bit, as you know, my work, I center pleasure. And I really love to ask my guests on the podcast, how do you embody more pleasure and weave pleasure into your business and your body of work, Jen? I suppose what helps me to weave in pleasure to my work is the principle of feminine first. There's even examples of this in ancient Ireland. So it's thought that our ancestors, particularly in the Celtic world, began the day at sunset as opposed to sunrise, how we live today. So in this way, they began their day in the feminine, in the darkness, in that creative space, that twilight space, that space for receptivity before then going off to the liminal landscape of the dream world. And then you wake up in the morning and you move out into the masculine. So what I do each day as a result of this is I always begin my day in the feminine, even if that's in the morning. And I do three things each morning that helps me activate that pleasure. The first is getting on the hands and knees, doing what I call my bandia practice, which means goddess in Irish. So inviting fin de and activating my intuition. And then the second thing I do is look at where am I in my cycle? And aligned to the Celtic calendar, as you had mentioned. So today I am on day 11. So I'm in between Imbolc in the Celtic calendar and Bealtaine. I'm technically the spring equinox of my cycle. So that's asking me questions like, what do I want to devote myself to? So that's the energy that I'm in today. What do I want to devote myself to? And then the third thing I do is each morning I write down and commit to just a simple body devotion. What's my body devotion today? That could be as simple as drinking more water to fusing my day with scent, you know, with essential oils, having a dance break, trying to work a little bit more in nature, whatever it might be. And that just helps me really infuse pleasure into my day and into my business. And once I have that feminine first that I've embodied that, then I can do more of the masculine. What I see is the task based activities. So what does the entrepreneur in me need to do? What does the manager, what does the creatrix in me need to do? Those kind of tasks. But I always begin with the feminine first because that is absolutely the catalyst for pleasure. If I don't do that, the day goes and pleasure becomes secondary. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love everything, everything that you just shared, Jen. And I wholeheartedly agree that dropping into your body, dropping into the feminine first is the way to go. And it sounds easy, doesn't it? It sounds simple, Mm. but for many of us, it has to be prioritized. Even for me, I know I'm like, if I just quickly do these three things and then I can really move into my body, those three things can become five things. I can become agitated, resentful. I'm like, I should have just done my practice first as I usually do. And I love to the power of planning or prioritizing your pleasure around your cycle, because that's something that I do too. Because obviously, depending where you are in your cycle, different things are going to be pleasurable to you. So yeah, I just absolutely love everything that you have just shared. I love the practicality of it too, because people can actually see in their mind's eye what it is that you're doing. So Jen, before we wrap up, I would really love to offer you the stage, I guess, and for you to share more about how people can find you and your incredible work. If you're not following Jen, particularly on Instagram, make sure you do. She'll share where you can find her. And also, how do you actually work with your clients? I've mentioned that I've got the privilege of working with you, but I know there are a number of different ways. So please share. Thank you, Ainsley. You can find me at CelticEmbodiment.com at Celtic Embodiment on Instagram. And at the moment, I have two programs. And the first is the Celtic Woman's Voyage. So the membership program that Ainsley is part of. And we're coming up to Bielton now where the Celtic calendar is changing. So the portal is open for new joiners and just for the next month or so. And then second offering that I have at the moment is more of the one-to-one work. And that's called Mythic Body. And that's a four-month container that's a mixture of one-to-one feminine embodiment coaching and guided study. So it's all structured around knowing your mythical ancestors, knowing your body, and from this place, knowing your calling, who you are called to be in this world. And it's just a mixture of a curriculum as such with one-to-one coaching and guided support from me as well. And I'm sure it's just as delicious as the voyage. And the level of depth and professionalism that Jen offers is incredible. I've said it to Jen before and I've told all these people, but if anybody has studied feminine embodiment coaching at the School of Embodied Arts, to me, the Celtic School of Embodiment is on that level in terms of all of the things. Everything Jen does, it just feels so full and whole and nurturing and just incredible words really can't describe how incredible I think your body of work is and how deeply grateful I am to be able to experience it and see the transformations in myself and how it really falls into my business too so thank you so much for joining us Jen and sharing all of your magical wisdom with us Oh, thank you, Ainsley. As I said, it's just been such an honor and your beautiful words are so well received with a full heart as well. We love weakness. If you want to unleash your pleasure potential to claim the business and life you desire, I have something really exciting to share with you today. Soon I'll be running an exclusive Activate and Ascend workshop. I have so many juicy and new teachings to share in this workshop, including my signature Activate and Ascend framework that will allow you to ascend with ease and pleasure into your most expansive, delicious and pleasurable life and business. It's going to be amazing if I do say so myself. Now, to learn more and to apply for this exclusive workshop, 
Just jump over to the show notes and you'll see the link with all of the details and how to apply there. Or alternatively, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me via email, ainsley at startingwitha.com. Just check the show notes. Everything is there. And I look forward to welcoming you into the Activate and Ascend workshop. so much for listening to today's podcast episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it and you received some tips and takeaways or maybe a major aha. And if you did, please leave me a quick five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. I'd be so, so grateful. And if you'd like to connect, just come and say hi. DM me over on Instagram. You can find me at Ainsley Young. I'll speak with you soon.